today on Cinematics. The Grumpy Guy story comes into focus a little bit. This is Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. Batman! How'd you get here? Welcome to Cinematics. I'm Ryan. And I'm fucking Polly. And today we are talking about Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Uh, as kind of a, uh, not a penultimate, because that's a second last, but a rather an ultimate, a final component to our current animation run. We'll probably come back to it at some point, but we're going to move on to different things after this. So let's end on a positive note and let's talk about... Overall, a pretty good fucking movie. Yeah, overall. Yeah. Um, so, Paulie, this was your suggestion. It was. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, Batman Mask of the Phantasm was a spinoff from the animated series from the 90s. I think it started in 1991. They decided that they wanted to make a live, or not a live action, a uh, feature length uh, movie explaining a live action animation. <laughs> Those are live... my favorite. <laughs> um, to I guess explore Batman's origin a little bit more, maybe throw some twists and turns in there. Oh. And uh, obviously, because it's a feature length movie, the animation quality has also been uh, increased. I would say compared to the animated series. Yeah. Um, music also improved. Voice acting's always been good in that show, so I think the voice acting is better it, than it, in the show, but it's also on par. It's like it, the, it's interesting that you mentioned voice acting because there's there was talk amongst us before we started recording about um, about voice acting, and my first impression when watching this movie was that I wasn't necessarily a fan of it. Okay, um, but that was only because the first words we hear out of Bruce Wayne's mouth are very like choppy and formal and kind of like forced mm. sounding right um and i wasn't i wasn't really a fan of it when i first heard it but as it got along uh i feel like i sort of grew to understand what what it was and what they were doing and i right. think i i cared a little more about it at that point especially once we start flashbacking to uh to young bruce wayne yeah um yeah and there's there's little um nuances that he uses when he's younger um, just to bring that youth out in, in him a little bit, like uh, he's he's got a little bit more energy, he's got a little bit more hope and optimism, and it even in the making, there's there's some making thing on on YouTube about this, but he was talking, uh, Kevin Conroy, who voices Batman, was talking about how he changed um, Bruce Wayne's uh, uh, way of uh, talking in his younger days just to differentiate. Um, his old self with his new self, I guess. Right, and you can kind of hear that when you when you listen to the voice acting. I mean, uh, you know, when he's when he's an adult, he's got this very formal, um, rich business rich business person sort of yeah. sort of talk to him. You know, that's kind of like uh, formal and and choppy. And I want I don't want to say choppy. But I it's know, just um it's, it felt it's choppy a little, at first. It's a it's a little quicker like. 
it's it's almost like he doesn't want to be in those social social situations anymore so he says what he has to to get out of them yeah he just basically here's the information that i have to give you now leave me alone yeah exactly. i want to go hide in my cave with my bats <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> damn it alfred why are you still here just yeah. stop talking to me and uh, that's uh actually that's just a uh, one thing i want to um kind of point on as well is when he gets when he gets older he gets a little bit and I, I don't know if it's just because of the pressure that he was under, because he doesn't really do this in the show, but he was he gets pretty snappy with Alfred. Like it's like he is in the yeah, movie, isn't he? A little yeah. bit. And I wasn't sure what to make of that. Um, you know, there's that scene where he's going to get in his car and drive away, and Alfred's like, "I should know you. I wiped your bum." And he's <laughs> yeah. like, "Yeah, whatever. Fuck off." Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. I'm like, that's that's interesting because that's not how you know we've grown up to know Batman to interact with Alfred. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but maybe that has something to do with the fact that this lost love has come back into his life and he's just, he's under a lot of pressure. Yeah, man. he doesn't know what to make of it. Um, one thing that I noticed that I had to kind I had to kind of wrap my head around a little bit was that it doesn't, it didn't seem like there was a lot of um, interaction between Batman and this phantasm in the beginning. Right. The phantasm is going around killing people and everybody blames Batman, but Batman for quite a while doesn't seem to even notice that this is happening, which is weird. And even when he does notice, it's never like like it's not talked about. He doesn't have a conversation with somebody. He doesn't like there there's there's nothing to indicate that anything has changed other than he he happens to show up right right at the yeah. moment, right? So he doesn't I, he doesn't really do too much investigating on on things. It kind of just lands on in his lap. Yeah, exactly. In, in like he happens to be in the right place at the right time in a lot of cases. Yeah, and and I find that interesting considering that um, uh, uh what's her name? Andrea Beaumont. Beaumont. Andrea Beaumont. Yeah. Calls him the world's greatest detective, but I we don't see him do any detectiving. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's no detectiving happening. He just Maybe. sort of happens to show up and sees her. But it's not her. It's just like the maybe, face of her. Maybe he's just she's just a fan of the animated series, so she already <laughs> knows about his nightly escapades. She knows he's a detective by night and a suave businessman by day. Exactly. But yeah, and I mean, um, I do agree with that though. Like, I I think that it would have been a little more interesting just to see batman kind of put the pieces together yeah instead of it just kind of appearing in front of them i feel like they focused on some weird things as far as story elements go like they focused on they focused a lot more on flashbacks yeah and and like like we said in the intro you know we, we're talking like this movie is kind of like opening up a new idea about batman's backstory and how um you know maybe he didn't actually necessarily want to continue to do this but he feels like he has to because he made this promise to his parents and then suddenly he's got this opportunity to be happy, you know, and, and that's the the literal line is mm -hmm. I'm finally happy. Can can you tell me it's okay to do this? Um, and, and so all of that is really important to building their character, mm -hmm. but I think it comes at the cost of developing the present story. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It, it, and maybe that's maybe that's the point a little bit. Maybe Batman is living a little too much in the past. Maybe that's kind of the point. Because by the end of the movie, you see him you see him standing on the on the edge of the building, and he the the bat signal comes up, and then he continues on. Like maybe that's in a way just what even with Batman's snappiness towards Alfred and stuff. Like maybe that's just Batman dwelling too much in the past or something. 
I mean, it, it could it, be. Uh, I'm it, just, it I'm very just much speculating. That's just maybe how I interpret it anyways. Right. And, and I mean, that makes sense when we're talking about the... But in terms of in terms of the actual progression of the movie, it's a little much sometimes. Like it, some of the flashbacks do last a little too long. The the the, the first one especially I mm-hmm. noticed was was quite like that was what that was probably seven or eight minutes. I almost forgot we were in a flashback <laughs> by the time it came back to the present. I was like, oh yeah, right. That was that was the past. And then there were other moments where like it was hard to tell. Like at least there was one specific moment where I was like, oh, is this? Is this a flashback? Is this not a flashback? Are we somewhere in the middle? Uh, and that that might have been my fault as well. But it's just there there was so much of it. And, and again, I agree. Yeah. Again, it's needed for that story. And the whole point of the movie seems to be developing this idea of a different uh, backstory than, say, we're used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even as a kid, when I watched this movie, I was also confused about how this movie was kind of carrying on just because i was a kid and i was just like whatever it's batman it's cool whatever it's fine it's batman man but i i never really like until i was older i never really like i guess knew when flashbacks were happening or what a flashback was i guess right it it was it's it was a little different when i was watching it when i was younger so and i mean i guess kind of the theme of our um animation run here is is centered around the idea that animation isn't just for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been talking a lot about animation in the sense of, you know, not necessarily full-blown adult animation all the time, but, like, the idea that that there's a lot of animation out there that is... This is, like, a good in-between. Yeah. Between, like, say, like, Spawn and Akira, right? Like, it's just... It's a good in-between. It's something kids can watch without being too fucking traumatized by it. And then it's also something adults can watch and actually get something from it. Yeah, it, it's got a lot of themes and ideas that it presents that are a lot more adult-oriented. I mean, we talked about the idea of like of love and relationships and and having to to lose those uh, without really understanding why necessarily, you know, and and trying to stick to your guns and and stay stay your course, as it were. Oh, Jesus, I keep hitting this thing with the headphones. Um, staying the course. And and doing what you know you need to do, but also not wanting to do that anymore. Mm. Um, well, there's that there's that you mentioned it briefly when uh, he's in the graveyard and he's he's out in the middle of a fucking lightning storm, like begging his like mm-hmm. begging his like like the thought, I guess, of his of his dead parents allowing him to to move on and lead a normal life that he originally wasn't going to lead because you know he had kind of promised them something that he needed to give them and now doesn't want to because he's met this girl but at the end of the day it's is it, batman is it destiny or is it what is it <laughs> well when she comes back and fucks everything up and then leaves him again mm. you know it just sends him right back to where he was i suppose so i guess at the end of the day i mean you know he 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 is still batman and he must mm. remain batman but it's an interesting I don't want to call it a side story, but it's almost like a digression from Batman's plot line. You know, there's like, yeah. there's like, it adds a little bit more. Like everybody understands, everybody understands that Bruce Wayne's parents were, were killed by a mugger and everything. Mm-hmm. And that he went on this mission to avenge them and, and everything. But then, you know, they, it just goes from straight from Batman's parents dying to Batman going and doing his training to him being Batman. But in this, there's something a little, a little more human in between as well. Like it just, it, it It, adds like an extra level to him, I guess. It fills in, 
it fills in a hole kind of because the the Batman story seems to be you know like you said it's it's parents die goes in revenge becomes Batman um and it it feels like there's a a sidestep almost where we're just taken away from that for for an hour and and yeah, it's 20 pretty, minutes or whatever yeah, it's it is. It's a pretty streamlined movie all over. It is, that, yeah. You know? And and you know, it's it's just a moment of like getting inside his head and seeing him as a person. And and I'm not 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 to say that it necessarily feels like it doesn't belong in the world, but like we're talking about lesser known villains, we're talking about villains who don't show up that much in in Batman, mm. you know, media in general lore mythos lore sure i mean we we get glimpses of the joker yeah um he plays a role in it but it's not the main role no he, he's just kind of there to to i think add a bit of fan service in yeah a way. and for once um, he's not the main villain like that's something i kind of don't like about a lot of new batman movies and like it's even always the, the joker it's always the joker and if it's he not, is it's, the greatest batman villain he though. is but i mean i also I also think the uh, the phantasm deserves a little love too. Well, and that's why this movie is so great because yeah. it's a whole movie devoted to just the phantasm, like. And the phantasm, I don't even think was uh, a villain before. Like, I think the phantasm was created for this movie as well. Oh, really? Yeah. And there you go. So, and it, it was uh, like I was I was saying about uh, Harley Quinn as well, like. She was created in the animated series, and the fans loved her so much that now she's like a main, a main part. Yeah. yeah, she's like a main part of the story between Batman and Joker. Which, I mean, the fact that the media can talk back and forth between it, itself like that, I find one of the biggest assets to the superhero universe, the the DC and the MCU universes or whatever, uh, is that. Um, they can kind of go back and forth that way. And it's, mm. you know, people are willing to accept it, which is super cool. Uh, and then you get movies like this in where, you know, a character who's not been seen before um, takes center stage for a show and gives us some insight about Batman's past and then disappears again into the ether. Yep. Although and I hear you, you guys are saying something about how uh, uh, she does come back at some point. Yeah. Yeah. The phantasm does come back in, um, Batman Beyond the the movie uh, Return of the Joker or some Batman Beyond. Batman's I don't know like, if I've ever seen. Yeah, Batman's like eighty years old in it, and he has a he kind of I guess hires someone to be Batman for him. Oh, it's interesting. Sort of, it's sort of like a it's um I guess I don't know if you're familiar with like the Nightfall um series in the comic. It's when it's when um. It's what the Dark Knight Rises is based off when, oh, okay. when Bane breaks Batman's back and then he kind of uh, Batman hires this guy named Azrael to um, be him, be Batman. And then he just turns into this whole other Batman, oh, interesting. But it, except in Batman Beyond, he's like 80 years old and he's too old to be doing it anymore. So he hires this young kid to kind of be Batman for him. Oh. I don't know if he hires him, but like he kind of they kind of inter, they kind of cross paths. He, he sort of. Brings him under his wing, if you will. <laughs> <Is that wing>? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. I I, for, I forget where I was going with that, but <laughs> that, that's okay. Um, so I, I guess um, one of the things to mention as well about the fact that it is kind of an animated story for adults in that sense, um, we see blood. Mm -hmm. People actually die in it. People do actually die. Uh, you don't see the death. No. 
Um, and that's but, where like it kind of rides that balance of like kids Batman show versus adult, right? Is yeah. people die, but um, like if generally were, speaking, it, you don't see them die. Yeah, like if it were like say if this movie, which would be awesome if they did this, but say if they did it in like a Spawn sort of style, when the statue falls on uh, Buzz Baronski yep. in the fucking graveyard, there'd be fucking, blood everywhere. Yeah, you'd see like you'd see the thing like fucking break through his chest and like impale him to the ground or something. Pretty much, know? yeah, but. Uh, nope, we just see it land on top of him. And well, from we don't his, even really. From his point of view, like when it actually does hit him, it just goes black. And then there you, you just go. see the statue sticking up out of the grave. Yeah. So it, it kind of explores some darker themes, which Batman, if any superhero in the DC universe is set for a dark storyline, it is Batman. And we've yeah. seen it a few different times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this is one of those, one of those moments where it's sort of really pushes it that direction yeah and there's potential there's potential like i was i was uh, talking to you before like there is potential there for a live action you know like they're always talking about rebooting batman and blah 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 it's like Mm -hmm. well why don't you make a live action fucking mask of the phantasm throw some extra elements in there i mean the movie's only an hour and 10 minutes or something something like that i mean it it, i think even in this animation it could have benefited from some extra runtime yeah a little bit Mm -hmm. just to give us more of that again like we were saying more of that investigative nature more of that i agree interaction between the because i mean we're we're seeing the two of them in the past talk Mm -hmm. but they they don't really cross paths until like three quarters of the way through the movie and yeah and it just kind of happens out of coincidence yeah and it kind of takes away from that that connection and and the whole idea that they're supposed to be and I yeah. think they take some jump, like some leaps of faith too. Like when, <clears throat> like when Batman's in the graveyard and he sees Andrea there, and then he wasn't even really standing by the Wayne graves, and she's just like, "Oh, it's it's Bruce Wayne." Oh, it's oh like, my god, he's he's here. It yeah. must be him. Yeah, and it's just like Batman could have just been in the graveyard, just doing whatever. He could have just been standing by there. And maybe he sudden, was like by a different grave how can you yeah, say that it was that yeah, one for sure exactly well i guess you could i guess you could argue that she kind of knew something was up with him from the beginning in the way that he behaved with those bikers and everything else i mean yes she did kind of have a, a suspicion of because he wasn't letting it like telling her about his plans and he was just kind of unsure about things from the beginning and everything yeah. else right so you know i still think it's a bit of a leap of faith but you know they yeah but yeah some extra runtime i gotta give it credit though because it it does have zero fat on it like everything oh yes everything that happens progresses the story in some way or another as far as as far as uh script writing goes and story writing goes that's that's a feat in and of itself to keep and and it's something that writers always kind of try and strive for right is the idea that every scene progresses the plot every scene has a purpose and, and well, it some, progresses the plot or the characters, right? Yeah. When I say, I guess, yeah. when, when I say I, plot, I mean... Like, <laughs> I'm just real, getting yeah. specific. <laughs> no, but the, 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 it's good that you called me on that because it is either gives us something about the characters or progresses the plot in some way. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it happens sometimes where there's some great movies where, where you know, every scene is important and every mm-hmm. every piece of dialogue is important and everything, like, kind of meshes all together. But there's so many, so many examples just filler of of just filler all over the place mm-hmm. where it's like this is this has no purpose and they just put it in because they needed to add runtime or whatever and it's yeah. like why didn't you take this out yeah um and 
And to see a, a movie, an animated movie, properly pull that together and create something that, like you said, has no fat is really quite a quite an impressive yeah, thing. And the amount that they told in the time constraint that they had to, yeah. like, that's a lot of story to tell. That's the past, present, and in a way, kind of the future as yeah. well. Which is, again, why I'm, I don't fault it as much for not giving as much detail about the present yeah. as they could have. Again, they could have padded the runtime a bit, added 15 more minutes of content that would have maybe given us a little bit more of the present story. But overall, we got enough to work with. And overall, yeah. they told so much in such a short period of time. And you got to keep it to to a level of, you know, uh, attention span, I guess. Because mm -hmm. you want kids to be able to sit through it as yeah. well as adults. Yeah, uh, It's an animated movie. So at the time, it would have been... Um, marketed towards kids probably for the most part yeah um but and i guess speaking of marketing Ooh. this uh this movie didn't do the greatest in the box office because of its lousy marketing i so I was, the 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 numbers on this we're talking it had a budget of six million uh it made on opening weekend one million one hundred eighty nine thousand nine hundred seventy five dollars and gross across the u.s totaled five million six hundred seventeen three hundred ninety one so it did not quite make its money back um which is unfortunate because it probably would have mm -hmm. if they'd marketed it better and um i think the only trailer i ever saw for this movie was on the vhs of free willy wait really yeah oh that's like the worst place to put it though who's, it was, who's it was, gonna watch free willy and be like oh i need i, to I think it, i think it was on there before the michael jackson music video really <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh free willy starts but yeah yeah i don't um, i don't even remember yeah i don't remember ever hearing about it i don't think i until you told me we needed to watch it yeah i don't think i'd ever even heard about it existing before yeah not many um, people have like which is unfortunate because it is it is overall quite a good movie mm -hmm. um and in some of the research i was doing i think one of the major problems and reasons that it didn't get marketed properly is last minute changes i mean sort of last minute it was early in production or early, uh yeah development in early in pre-production production time yeah. period but yeah. still pretty last minute considering they had already started drawing the animation when they decided that they were going to make it a theatrical release instead of a straight to video release which means that they had to change the aspect ratio for theatrical release mm -hmm. they had to change uh, a whole bunch of different things they had to do uh, add 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 a ton of stuff and it also meant that they only had a year to animate it, right. which generally an animated feature takes about two years. Oh, okay. So they didn't have a lot of time for marketing, first of all, because they didn't even have a year. Yeah. And they had to put together the marketing campaign differently for the theatrical release. They didn't have a year. They only had a year to animate. I mean, there were so many obstacles that that created um, that didn't give them... It, it didn't put them off on the right foot, I think, yeah, for making, a, making their money back. Yeah. Um, which is too bad because I feel like there's so many stories of animated feature films that are more in this vein from this time period. You know, like the the movies that are darker, the the animated films for more for adults that are not success stories yeah. due to problems in production that make it look like those kind of movies weren't successful. And it's been a long time since we've seen a or it was a long time uh, until we developed this idea that we could do, mm -hmm. you know, 18 plus. Uh, yeah. And I think superhero it was, movies. could have also been because the, the market was so dominated by Disney at the time. Like this was around the time, like 
Beauty and the Beast came out, Lion King, like all those kind of movies. Yeah. And so people going into a movie like this, oh, they're just thinking like, oh, like this is just another animated movie or whatever mm-hmm. in, in the Disney in the Disney sort of fashion. And it does have like this this animation is quite a bit brighter and different from something like Spawn or Akira too, right? Uh, it's and it true. also did spawn from like a a, a <laughs> kids TV show, <laughs> which also uh, spawn. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it did come from a kids essentially a kids TV show. Adults also watched it too because it was like that good, but Right. And so yeah, I don't know. Like I think it, it's it's a combination of what you said and also just the market being dominated by Disney at the time as and, well. And I mean the market has always kind of been dominated by Disney, but yeah. especially in that era, they were really mm-hmm. really kicking up the animated runs again and and yeah there was so much going on so i i can see how especially for a theatrical release uh for an animated movie people are going to want to you know bring their kids to the movie it's a family night thing and yeah um this certainly does not necessarily look like it would be a purely children's related animation yeah even the uh even the trailer like as as corny as the trailer kind of was um it wasn't necessarily geared towards kids. Like it kind of had like a dark overtone. There you go. Right. Too, right. So, um, there is that. And even, uh, Siskel and Ebert didn't find right. out about this movie. And, um, they're like, man, we wish we knew about this movie. Cause we would have watched it a long time ago. Like they actually, from what I understand, they actually went out of their way to do a review of this movie after it came out on video, I believe. Really? Yeah. They're like, man, they're like, man, we wish we talked about this earlier. And, and you'd think that like those two specifically, you would want them to know about your yeah. movie because well, that's how you, that's even, how you get people to watch it is people like that reviewing it. Right? Well, even so, just the fact that it's Siskel and Ebert and yeah. even they didn't know about it. Yeah. Also, I mean? also like the, some of the most connected, if not the most connected uh, critics yeah. didn't even know it existed. So yeah, that really says something about how the thing was marketed. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, Enough about pre-production and technical stuff. Why don't we talk about um, the animation for a bit? Because right. the animation in this movie is really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, anime, or it was the art style was inf- influenced by Bruce Tim, who also co-directed the movie, I believe. Yes, he he was a co-director, and also he is an artist, a drawer of Batman comics, mm-hmm. including ones such as Mad Love, uh, which is a Harley Quinn joker kind of story in a lot of ways which was also made into an animated movie like a couple years ago yeah oh interesting i didn't i I haven't watched it but i i know about it and it was made into an animated movie and i mean looking at the animations or the the art style of the comic which is sitting right here in front of me or it was an episode on the animated series or something anyway it 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 played a role in one way or another yeah exactly um but the the art style is very very similar and obviously the fact that bruce tim drew this book and then also directed this movie i'm sure had a lot to do with that but like you you look at the face of the joker in this and it's like oh that's exactly the same face as like yeah how he looks in the movie yeah and you know there's a lot of variation even batman's costume like uh in in the earlier seasons of the animated series that's what batman's costume looked like and then once they got into the further seasons he started sporting the black the big black bat and like sort of a oh yeah rather than the yellow yeah simplified sort of uh utility belt and the art styles were different and everything else well i mean even just looking at the comparison between the joker and how he developed Mm. throughout i mean that's it's i i wouldn't say that i dislike 
change because I always talk about how it's good to change things up, especially when you've got a show that's as long running as the Batman sure. animated yeah. series. Um, you don't want people to get bored of it, first of all. Second mm-hmm. of all, like you don't want your your em- employees, your artists to get bored of it. You know, if you've got a team of, of artists who are animating this and they've been animating the same style and the same looking characters for like however long the show's been running, what yeah. forever it was running. Yeah, it was fuck, it was close to ten years Ten anyways, years it was going, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, maybe even more. You'd want you'd wanna change that up. You'd wanna you'd wanna make it more interesting and different for the people working on it and for the audience. Actually I think to this day it's the uh, like the same art style and like the way it kind of links up with other things like justice league and everything i think it's still kind of continuing now it's just not a strict batman well and anymore. it's not it's necessarily like, the exactly the same show yeah, but yeah exactly but i mean you look at some of uh some of the animation styles from the the show and you, you start off with something very similar to like what we saw in this movie, mm-hmm. almost identical even which i mean yeah, of this, course you'd want to maintain continuity because this movie between. came out uh, two years after the animated series debuted, because it came out. The animated series came out in '91, I think. Okay. And it this movie came out in 1993. So. 1993, hey. 1993. Still... Um, and then it progresses eventually mm-hmm. to a certain level where, where I guess stylized is the best word I could use for some of it, like the Joker, especially like it, the the. The faces and the characters get a lot smoother looking. Their their style is is much more stylized overall. I mean, the Joker's get, weird black eyes, for yeah, example, and stuff get, like that. They get a little bit blocky though, for my for my taste, because there's another movie that kind of adapts this art style of the later seasons called um, Batman and Superman: World's Finest or something. Okay. And that's the first time I think I saw the Joker with the black eyes, and there was something about him I just didn't like. Yeah. Because they because we were talking earlier too and it was just like they sucked all the color out of him he had he didn't have any color anymore right and and i mean that's really what the joker is about at the end yeah. of the day he was like purple suit green hair red lips like everything yeah. about him is just contrasting um like bright colors you know and in the earlier seasons too he had yellow eyes and yellow teeth and everything mm-hmm. and, and then they just made him this pale-faced you know whatever it's like the joker was trying to conceal what he actually looked like or something. It's like, what the fuck, man? You're uh, you're looking more real all you're of looking a sudden. A little, you're looking a little pale there, Joker. I don't know what this is all about, but I'm not sure I like it, yeah. sir. Yeah, it was just... But yeah, anyway, like, um, very... Uh, also, the, um, the, the style of the animation is kind of um, reminiscent of the era that the movie actually took place in, which was like the... 50s right thir- right right like 30s 50s something like that and I, I would i would i would say that if we're talking about timeline for the for the show or movie itself it, it is definitely a 50s sort of yeah um era you know it's got it's got the uh, the futuristic like oh the world of the very, future very optimistic they, about the future and yeah um, and what that can mean the and stuff. spacey age sci-fi stuff that is very reminiscent of cold war era uh style and, mm. and and things you, yeah. you know in the same way that fallout yeah kind yeah, of adapts very, that yeah. sort of and it, even just like the signage around that time had like a very like art deco sort of like very streamlined kind of look to it mm-hmm. i guess and um it's interesting to note too that the even the subject matter of of the movie kind of adapts with the the set 
design in a lot of ways too, right? So I'm intrigued what you think about what you're mean about that. So like you see Bruce Wayne when he's younger, he's optimistic. You know, he's he's got things going for him, mm-hmm. and then um, Andrea uh, bails on him, and then right. Like when you when you see him and he's younger, like the the future has this bright sort of optimistic look to it. And then when you see that same place again, it's all dilapidated and rough, like and rusty. Oh, I and, see. Yeah. You know, kind of. I guess. Oh, you're talking specifically about like the future world place that they go to, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the, the Epcot of Gotham City, essentially. Epcot. Yeah, Epcot's like a Disney place in Florida. I oh, think. okay. Yeah. I've never heard of but it. Anyways, but there you go. Um, but but that that's a really interesting point because I I didn't even pick up on that because yeah when they when they go there on their date night it's clean and fancy and bright and shiny and everything is you know looking really optimistic and happy and yeah. and that they're optimistic and happy and then she leaves and then we don't see that place again until you know many years later and story wise it totally makes sense that it's dilapidated and run down. What doesn't make sense is that they didn't tear it down, first of all, though. But so, it is it is Gotham, too. So, there. I mean, you could relate it to somewhere like Detroit where there's all these abandoned buildings everywhere that they just can't really af- – they, they can't afford to tear them down because um, yeah, of no, the economy. Totally, and yeah. Else, right? and, so. But it also ends up working on that, that metaphorical level where now we go back to this place that before had been this bright vision of the future is now – run down and rusted and and essentially the home of the joker i mean like the the villain of this world lives in batman's ruined optimistic future (laughs) yeah yeah exactly he lives in the the shadows of his past almost oh and um and by the end of the movie it ends up just exploding like joker blows it up and yep then you know that's and, and that's at Bat- the same time that she disappears out of his life again and, yeah. and he thinks she's dead. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. The pretty, connections. The connections, man. I'm telling you. And and it's it's a lot more hard edged, I think. Like when we're talking about just to go back to the technical aspect of mm-hmm. the animation again, it's a lot more um sharp, mm-hmm. I guess is yeah. the best way to yeah. say it, you know? Uh there's there's Very those edgy. Yeah, there's those yeah. jaw lines, or the mm. Joker's ridiculous nose, all of that kind of yeah. stuff, um, that are that are very hard edged. Whereas as animation has progressed, and I mean, again, it, it kind of comes down to the idea of of a changing style overall too. Uh, if you look at animation style, more modern uh, Western animation style, you know, you see things like Teen Titans and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the animated world of of superheroes moves more towards those smooth um 3d rendering instead of just the cell cell painting i don't i don't like that animation it's really you're not a 3d animation kind of person not not typically like especially nowadays like i've seen some of the cartoons my nieces and stuff watch and Mm -hmm. i'm just like man like I, I don't know if it's just me becoming an old man or what, but I'm like, those are cartoons. That's not what animation's supposed to look like. I just find them so boring to look at. Back in my day. Yeah. These were cartoons. Here, look at this fancy hand-drawn building with all these <laughs> brush strokes all over it. <laughs> yeah. Some person made this. Yeah, exactly. Now it's just thrown into a computer, and I just feel like the the care and the love into that goes into hand-drawn animation is kind of taken out when it comes to 3d animation. arguably though this this is an interesting discussion because this seems to be a trend in art in general you know where where we are developing all of this fancy technology i mean yeah. look at films what we talked uh and i'm sure it might get better ago too about graph uh visual effects and and computer generated effects being 
you know, a, a pivotal part of a lot of modern movies these days, whereas before practical effects were the way of the future because that's mm -hmm. what they had. Yeah. And now there's this, I, there's these young, um, I say that funnily <laughs> because I'm one of that young generation who's coming up and going into these things who are pushing and developing and, and experimenting with these new technologies. Yeah. That's but there's a good still point. that idea that, that sort of classic human, uh, need for, what used to be yeah. and, and it's not just art it, it's a whole interesting conversation that you know we could talk about forever about the idea of ties like, into what we're talking about here it does <laughs> uh, but like the whole idea that people always look in nostalgic views to the past it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what generation you're from it doesn't matter oh yeah where you live everybody could... looks to the past and says oh mm -hmm. man those were the golden days that <laughs> yeah every, life was yeah. so much easier talk, back then. talk to any any person older than you they're gonna right say, and and it's because know. it makes people feel better about the way things are and and you know everybody's always like oh those are the good days and i mean we are at a place in the world right now where nothing has ever been better yeah there, there's still a lot of bad things there going on be. and there always will be yeah. but we have better medical care we have better technology we have better global connection we have literally everything we do is better than what it used to be except, except animation except <laughs> <laughs> i mean yes from from like a from a technical perspective anyways yeah. i'm not necessarily yeah. and you know there's arguments to be made in all kinds of directions for specific things and it's but still as a general agency. rule you know there's yeah. there's exceptions to general rules but sure. as a general rule we have come a long ways. Our environmental consciousness has gone up. Our like, and I'm also like, and I'm also using one of the good examples of hand-drawn animation. Right. There's a lot of bad examples of hand-drawn animation. There's a lot of good examples of computer-generated animation as well. But the problem is just comparing the the right things together. You know, looking mm. at good hand-drawn animation yeah. versus good computer-generated animation. And I think they both have their place. And I think it's the same with VFX versus practical effects is they both have their place. And if we have the tools to do something, exploring those tools and finding the best ways to use them is very important. But still looking back and, and seeing how things used to be drawn versus how things are currently animated. Um, and I, I don't think that Teen Titans is necessarily the best example of how you would do 3D animation, especially the modern show that has just come out. Mm -hmm. um, but that is the style that animation is going towards as far as like Western animation, like kids shows, yeah. um, the way that superhero shows and superhero movies are animated now. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, discounting into the Spider-Verse, uh, which I would love to watch. And that's a good example of uh, computer-generated animation. Yeah, there you go. Because, you, it, it, so. you know, I, I apparently Sony is trying to patent that animation. Yeah, that's what because I Because it's so unique and so comic book-like. Mm -hmm. um, so, so uh, you know, done properly, everything can be look really good. But I guess to wrap that weird tangent up, <laughs> the idea being that, that the way that they developed that is not the way that this show was made the animation style, the, the art style. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that the way this movie is animated and drawn is much grittier and mm -hmm. darker. Yeah. Whereas the, which is funny because going back to Bruce, Tim, um, if you look at say that mad love comic, the, the animation or the art style in that, the animation, in the, <laughs> the animation well, in that comic, um, is, is cute, but it's still dark. Yeah. And, and I think that that's something that, like to compare, say, Spawn to this movie, mm -hmm. being as this is a part of our run, um, in Spawn, everything is always dark and everything is always edgy. And there, there's not a lot of 
of brightness or cuteness to any of it but mm. bruce tim's style here it takes the dark it takes those shadows it takes that contrast it takes those hard edges and those those like gothic buildings uh, of gotham and and adds a level of of brightness and happiness to contrast it you know we see these flashbacks of a world where it's always sunset and it's always bruce and, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. andrea just walking around yeah. being happy in this pretty pretty place and yeah you know and they're the soft edges of their of their features and the way that they're sort of yeah. smoothed out right yeah. Com contrasted to the idea of these hard hard shadows this sort of detroit-esque dark mm -hmm. crime riddled city you yeah know? well and it's uh even in the comic i was just looking through it and uh there's just like these little simple things you see Batman doing that's kind of reminiscent of, say, the 60s show as opposed to what you'd see him doing now. Like there was just like a, a panel in the comic where he was just drinking a cup of coffee. Like I don't think you ever see Batman really in the bat suit. Like right. he was just sitting there drinking a cup of coffee at the <laughs> at the bat computer with the bat suit on. You'd never see Batman do that now. No, like, Alfred, wouldn't. sugar. <laughs> sugar. Give me sugar, Alfred. I need this. I'm tired. <laughs> batman tired I, I am a human but now it seems like so here, here's an interesting uh thought for you to to chew chew on okay um do you feel like because i i get this sense that these days people are looking all right let me preface this statement okay superheroes became really popular in a time when war was on everybody's mind mm -hmm. and it was it was a fear of of death it was a fear of destruction it was a fear of your country falling apart it was a fear of you losing your family there were so many fears and nobody knew who to look to and nobody knew um who was going to be able to protect them and their family and who and if even anybody could and out of that came this idea of these these people who essentially are the perfect hero they have all of these amazing powers and they they're they fight for what is right and what is good and they fight crime and all that kind of stuff yeah it, not only was it a distraction but it was it was this idealing idealing appealing idea <laughs> it was an appealing idea <laughs> that should be a new word idealing ideal um of this character of a group of characters who who were there to protect uh essentially the american people yeah um and every time superhero movies or comics or whatever really f surge back into the popular eye is when we come back to situations like that like you know these mm. days with with the marvel universe and stuff i mean there's a lot of people who have been very afraid for a long time about terrorism and about um mm -hmm. you know the external forces acting on on america and and um what that means for the people who now have to go overseas and, and fight and for the people who uh, you know, all of these things. And that fear drew an audience back again to a mainstream comic world that really hadn't been mainstream for a long time. Um, and and it's interesting to note that now because to talk about um, the art style and modern heroes mm. being almost these sort of, I don't want to say perfect, but kind of perfect in a lot of ways, you know, like they're they're less than human because they don't they don't do things that people do most of the time i mean there's things you see batman do in this movie where you're like yeah that would never happen like there's a part where you just see him climb a wall like spider-man or like you see him jump like three stories and not break yep. his ankles or anything yeah it's like yeah batman's an ordinary guy but he 
I mean, they still put it in the movie that he has his limits and stuff too. They do, they do for sure. And and I mean, more than any other superhero, I think Batman is probably the most limited because he doesn't have a superpower yeah. other than being rich. But but he's still kind of superhuman, you know. He yeah. he takes a lot of a lot of punishment and seems fine. He can do things that like he shouldn't a human shouldn't be able to do. And and all of it is in the name of I think creating these characters that are beyond better than us beyond us so that we can look to them and be like oh man look at these amazing people protecting this and that and whatever instead of it being about you know real people doing real people things Mm -hmm. and there are obviously versions of superheroes that are real people doing real people yeah yeah um and versions of characters that are are that versus the perfect but i just find it interesting that it seems like we create this almost inhuman godlike sort of character out of this Mm -hmm. right yeah and this movie um I don't want to say that it does, but it kind of does in a way, but it also humanizes him at the same time because it's about this relationship yeah, and it's not like, about him trying to protect the people. It's about him trying to reconnect with a lost, mm-hmm. uh, lost love. Well, right? and, and the other, the other thing is too, like when say Superman and Captain America first came out, they were like perfect beyond belief. Like they had no flaws at all. Yeah. And, um, which is why I can't and, stand Superman. Yeah, not I. I can't stand Superman either. And as as time wore on, Superman, because people felt like they they needed to relate to these characters more. They weren't just these these like uh, Greek gods coming to save them. They they wanted them to be more relatable mm-hmm. as well. So I guess you could say in the in the case of Batman, uh, he can do a lot of shit physically, but you know emotionally and socially he's he's kind of detached right he's he's pretty inept you might say yeah you know at, at least he's got his weaknesses and he's got his his uh his and even, kryptonite as yeah it were. and even batman like can get the shit kicked out of him just mm-hmm. like in uh um the nightfall series where there he gets go. his back broken right yep. like that was the first time i think in the comics where you really see batman defeated yeah like he was in a wheelchair for like I don't know how many issues it was, but like he was in a wheelchair for like a good while before I don't even remember how he got his back fixed, but then he ended up the magic of science. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he had some bat spine fixer that there he probably you go. Yeah. <laughs> whipped up. For stem cells, was... man. Stem, yeah, stem cells. That's cells. what it was. Yep. So there you go. Um, um, so to talk a little bit more about that animation style, I there's we, we made an interesting comment partway through. Um, I, I think it was Jess that first first initially mentioned it, uh, but the idea that that this kind of feels like an Archie comic a little bit too. Yeah, it definitely does, and um, I didn't notice that before either. I was like, no, I was like, oh shit, yeah. But but as soon exactly. as that the word Archie came out and I started looking, I'm like, oh yeah, no, yep, mm-hmm. 100% can see you know the the similar styles between that those drawings and this animation. Yeah. So much so that when we get to the end <laughs> and there's that last scene with uh, with Andrea and it's. <laughs> I mean, it's not Jughead, it's but, not, it, but it's 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 freaking well, Jughead. It like it looks exactly well like him. Yeah. Walks out onto the boat with a freaking paper crown on. Yeah. And and you know it, it looks like Jughead at at age thirty or age yeah, forty, right? Yeah, a so, more mature Jughead. And yeah. maybe who knows? He never says his name. Maybe Crossover. Ar- maybe, maybe Archie was just getting married, and that's where. Uh, oh my to, god. To Betty or something. If the if the camera had taken us in, we would have seen who Archie marries. That would have been cool. <laughs> You know, I didn't follow the comics enough to know whether we ever actually find out I don't if he th- picks I, one I, of them. I still think it's up in the air. Is it? Okay. So. Well, there we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna imagine 
right here in my heart that if we had gone in there, we would have found out our answer and Jughead was just taking a break and there, there uh, Andrea was on the boat. Yeah. Crossover episodes, man. Yep. For the win. Yep. The uh, Archie, Archie uh, universe is tied directly with Batman's. Yeah. <laughs> Evidence right here. Imagine if he just, imagine if Archie came out instead and he's just like, you're the phantasm. Hey, hey, I know you. <laughs> um, oh, shit. So I think we got one thing left to talk about. Music. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, uh, I don't know that we necessarily need to go on and on about it. But it was Probably good not. music uh, composed by the same woman that did, that did the Spawn series. Mm-hmm. So The late Shirley Walker. The late Shirley Walker. Also, she's on record saying... Uh, it was her favorite of all of her own compositions was the score for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was really something, you know. It was quite uh, quite dark, but also epic and orchestral and, yeah, and kind of op- uplifting. Operatic. And, yeah. yeah I mean, just... there's that whole intro sequence mm-hmm. with the, the operatic Latin-y sort of voices that mm-hmm. uh, you were telling me were not... They weren't actual words. They were just the... What what were we saying? The, it was the, the names of, the, of Warner Brothers executives backwards. Yep. Yeah. And it happened to sound kind of like Latin. And yeah. when you when you sing it in a really high pitched operatic sort of voice, and you know it's not super loud, you can't quite tell that they're names. But if yeah. you listened really closely, I'm sure you could hear it. So I, I've even still been trying to hear that. Like I want to see what names they actually use, just I've, to see if I could put it together. If I knew the names I was looking for, I could probably pick them out because yeah. I definitely heard what sounded like names backwards, but I couldn't quite connect it because I didn't know what names I was looking for. Yeah. Um. And I, I I like to go on record and say that I actually have this score on my Spotify. Oh, yeah, do you? I do. On record, hey. On, I'm on record for this. Dang. <laughs> well. For the record, man. Put it in the print. Uh, well, we don't print here, Paul. We post. Nobody prints anymore. I mean, some newspapers do. Okay. I'm going to go to the Metro and tell them perfect that uh i want to go on record you want to go on record in print saying that this is uh how it is this is a good score man but it was great and i mean it matched really well with that intro sequence um which really actually i i I really liked the how cinematic that opening credit sequence was that it was Mm -hmm. just this slow sort of backwards helicopter shot essentially of this like camera flying Mm -hmm. through the city of gotham and and it wasn't very detailed. I mean, like there was no it was detailing also, in the building. It was I, just. I think lights. it was the only the only sequence in the movie, as far as I know, that had sort of a three D animation to it. I think that was computer generated. It it looked like it was. And, yeah. And it, it worked. It kind of like I I think it was a little bit out of place. Like I I would have preferred if it was hand drawn, but. I don't know. No, it it, it kind of fits the style of the animation in general. Like it's very simplistic and it's very hard edged. And and know. I think it would have been a lot of work to hand draw. Yeah, with some, the amount of time that they had. And and how smooth it was and the flow. Like yeah. it just it really I think kind of the told, intro, told you this the the feeling of the movie mm-hmm. before you got oh, to yeah. the movie. Yeah, and in a way it kind of because you said like it was like and I never even really noticed that but it was moving backwards mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that's kind of what it's leading us into it's kind of leading us into the past a little bit it's taking us back to why Batman is Batman totally one right the, one of the big reasons and I I'd even in a way like consider the opening sequence just like a short film in itself like a bit <laughs> of a, a bit of a experiment if you will just because that that's the time 
that certain animation was starting to kind of come out a little bit. And just the right. fact that they, they tried something with it and they kind of, they just put it into the intro sequence for something very simple. They didn't do anything crazy with it. It was just buildings. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It was, it was, it didn't have a story, but it still kind of told the story. Yeah. If you wanted to get really artsy about it. If you want to really overanalyze it. <laughs> I, <do>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is what people do. And that is why we, Still, so why that, people still enjoy yeah all of these this content right. is because people can take the newest Batman movie and and really just be like oh what does it mean and what's it about and what is this <laughs> yeah you know people would get bored of Batman or you'd think people would get bored of the same characters over and over again if we didn't like break it down in different ways every time so yeah exactly like I mean just look at Blade Runner Alien yeah in two movies we talked about yeah or three movies I guess that we yeah. talked about that are still being analyzed to fucking death today. And I mean, now we have Alien Covenant. Let's not talk about that. <clears throat> that doesn't exist. <laughs> and neither does Prometheus. No. They, they are ethers. Strange words that I don't know where people <laughs> got them from, but like probably just the dictionary. You know, I, I don't like, know what this is. It's like, yeah, have you seen Alien Covenant? What the fuck did you just say what to me? What did you just say to me? <laughs> Uh, that does not no i'm leaving never talking to you again jesus christ um, well yeah i think that's uh that's all i have to say about that movie do you have anything you want to um oh actually uh yeah Ooh. with the uh tim burton movie oh okay and, and uh joker's joker's kind of uh backstory because joker's backstory is always different like once you go to the killing joke or whatever like jo joker's backstory kind of changes you never really know what his his true backstory is because yeah you, i mean every really, time every time he tells his story his story is yeah, different and so. you're never really supposed to know anyways um i this was kind of a throwback to the and this was around the time um i think batman returns came out the year before this oh and, okay yeah and you know the tim burton movies were really in at that time as they well for sure batman. were and uh they just had joker as like a, a mobster in it he, he, oh, he just jacked right. Napier yeah. like he was in in the original 89 movie he wasn't he wasn't some comedian he wasn't whatever whatever he Joe didn't have some strange complicated story he was just a crazy they mobster they didn't they didn't say if batman actually had something to do with even being involved in him becoming the joker you, we don't you're, you're talking about in this movie right? in this movie yeah. yeah and he's just he's just there he's connected he's connected and, in the sense that I mean, the Joker is always in the world of Batman, and it would be a weird Batman world if the Joker wasn't at least, you know, referenced to have existed somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I do appreciate that it was not, it wasn't about the Joker, and it wasn't about the Batman and the Joker's relationship at all. Um, it's he just, just like Joker follows Batman everywhere he goes. They imply which Joker they're talking about. Like you said, they're they imply that he's the mobster. They suggest that it's this guy you mentioned. And and they they do and it's kind of interesting too because they like uh I think they interact like twice in the movie Batman and Joker. Pretty much, so yeah. The the first time two scenes. Yeah, the first time is when he's Bruce Wayne and um Joker's still I guess Jack Napier. And then the next oh, yeah. time it's uh Batman and Joker. That's it. When they when they share a scene for the most part. Yeah. There there's that piece where he phones him and then tries to blow him up with a an air bomb. Yeah. thing, but they they're not they don't really They're not face to face. No, they're not in person together. They yeah. just it just sort of explodes and then he laughs and hangs up the phone. Yeah. Um 
but put seeing them together like that and and you know andrea shows up andrea shows up in that last scene where they're together yeah. but there's only maybe 30 seconds where all three of them share the yeah. space at the same time yeah. which is really interesting yeah well they don't they don't really need to share too much time together you know it's not about it's not about them having a relationship every, and sharing the space together. <laughs> it's about the implied backstory that the two of them have. <laughs> but um, I mean the, f- I guess the fact is that they still all end up being in the same place at the end for the same reasons. Right. Yeah. Totally. So, um. So yeah. that's uh, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. It's a good fucking uh, movie. You should check it out. Overall, worth watching for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I ha- have had this distinct feeling when the film ended. I was like, all right, I enjoyed that. Um, it's not perfect. No. There's a lot of problems with it. Um, story-wise, there's jumps, there's disconnects, there's loose ends that don't really mm-hmm. make much too sense. Ma- too so- many coincidences. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on that could have been wrapped up with a few more minutes of screen time. But overall, it was it was entertaining. It was interesting. It was a unique take. It had good animation. It had all these other things. Um, and I haven't watched an animated film that is not Japanese in quite a long time. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, what you were saying at the beginning. So it, w- it was a nice change of pace to sort of come back into Western animation again and and, and it, it, restart that. It, and like, I mean this in the best way possible, but it leaves a lot to be desired because there's a lot of potential there. And mm-hmm. I think seeing a live action version of this with a little bit more runtime and, you know, um, some updated, uh, like, I guess, looks like, because everything in this animation especially is so simplistic. So actually seeing the detail on like, what the phantasm would look like now yeah. would be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and I really want to know how she disappears into a puff of smoke, man. I mean, she's oh, just yeah. a normal person. How does she go and vanish, right? Yeah. I got to uh, know. <laughs> but they don't tell you. They don't And that, could, that's another thing is they don't tell you anything about her. How did she get that suit? How did she get there? Where did she where, where did she come from? But is it really necessary to No, it's out? it's not. But, I mean, but it's interesting that they it, don't tell you anything. Been, it would have been kind of cool. Like Batman kind of like mentions at the beginning, like what kind of smoke it is. And he lays on all these like all these really technical terms, <laughs> technical terms. Like even like I felt like Alfred's the, the audience there. Oh, he's totally. Just like, like, uh, yeah. Mm, <laughs> that, yes, of course. And then course. walks away and Batman's <laughs> like, mm, yes, that was that was a really funny sort of like <laughs> nod moment to the audience. where they're Like, here's this joke about how we're not going to explain anything that goes on with this character. Yeah. And, and that's totally fine. Like, we don't need an explanation. Less is more, less is more with the phantasm. Yeah, and, and again, it leaves us wanting to know, wanting to see more, wanting to find out more. Yeah. Um. Without leaving us feel like we've been cheated of anything, you it know? would be cool. Like, say if they if they did a, a live action version of this to see Batman experimenting with different chemical compounds to see if he could get the same effect and possibly track it somewhere else. Yeah, where he, these chemicals are made or on. Maybe he finds who, out where she would have gotten her start. Yeah, exactly. That could, would have been kind of cool. Could be sequel material. Fuck. And this world of remakes could be sequel material. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. We very much appreciate all of you out there. Um, there are spoilers in this episode. So Always. if you don't want spoilers, please uh, watch the movie before you listen. Otherwise, if you do want spoilers or if you've already watched it or if you don't really give a shit, you can watch this, <laughs> listen to this, do whatever you want. Um, you can find us on the social medias at uh, Instagram. We're at Cinematics 
podcast. Pod- podcast. And yes. on Twitter, we're at Cinematics Cast. You can also find me uh, on Instagram at Dark Sales Films, on Twitter at Dark Sales Films, on LinkedIn, Dark Sales Films, and myself. Uh, if you want to find out more about the stuff that we do and the content that we're making. And uh, we appreciate your support, and we hope that you'll be back next week. For Blues Brothers. For Blues Brothers. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.